Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a nutshell for your Thursday morning. It is the 16th of February, 2023. Daniel Pedgrew in the chair for the next hour. We are broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. 1300 01 1170 is our open line number, and you can text Anytime, 0457 736 736. That's all before Vossi and Brandy taking you through the breakfast show from 6 a.m. Queensland listeners, you'll get the first hour of Vossi and Brandy, then Patton Heels along for you at 6 a.m. local time. one 1170 our phone number. Remember, anyone that calls today will receive a Makita prize pack or 0457 736 736 is our text number. Quite a bit to get through as well on this Thursday morning as we head a bit closer to the weekend. Andrew Menzel, Menas from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, is going to join me a bit later on on the show and uh, talk about his thoughts on the first test, talk about what could potentially happen in the second test as well and a few other uh, issues in cricket, news stories in cricket over the past couple of uh, weeks as well since we last spoke. So we'll have a chat with Menas and also hoping to catch up with John Gallo as well to talk EPL. There's a big game today uh, with Arsenal up against Man City. Could be a very, very important game, vital game in the context of the English Premier League season. So we'll hope to catch up with John as well at, as well as your calls, of course, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or 0457 736 736 at 2 past 5 in New South Wales, 2 past 4 in Queensland. Uh, quite a bit making news on this Thursday morning as well. Uh, a lot of rugby league, some cricket news, of course. As I say, we'll talk to Menace shortly as we build up to the second test that you will hear on SEN tomorrow afternoon. But let us start with NRL. Um, And the good news is, well, we think it is good news anyway. It looks like a deal is almost set to be done between the NRL and the RLPA. Now, this has been ongoing for a long time, as we know. We heard earlier on in the week that a deal had been struck between the NRL uh, and the RLPA in terms of the NRLW. Well, it is now revealed uh, that in a record $1.347 billion offer, that will scrub at any threat of an NRL player strike in the News Corp papers today. So uh, it can be revealed that the ARL Commission has tabled a beefed-up deal to the Code's elite stars as NRL boss Andrew Abdo and RLPA Chiefs met for talks yesterday to finally end the CBA war on the eve of the kickoff in two weeks' time. Abdo and RLPA bosses uh, will spend the next 48 hours bunkered down in, uh, do you reckon they're really in a bunker? In high-level talks at League Central in a bid to deliver the NRL's new collective bargaining agreement after six months of uh, retracted negotiations. So, uh, in top-secret documents obtained by News Corp, uh, this is how the NRL has apt the ante financially to prevent the NRL stars striking ahead of the Eelstorm season opener in a couple of weeks' time. So it can be revealed the following. The NRL's revised offer, sent on December 23, has reached $1.347 billion, 
a 37% increase in total player payments to the previous deal of $980 million. The average NRL player's proposed salary will rise by almost $63,000 this season from $338,000 in last year to $401,000, just over $401,000 this season. The NRL's minimum salary will rise by 63% to $120,000 this season, reaching $140,000 in 2027. Now, the NRL has pledged to provide $115 million to the player benefits pool, including superannuation and injury hardship funds. And of that $115 million, an extra $32 million has been set aside by the NRL pending RLPA and player de- uh, delegate feedback on how to distribute the additional funds. The RLPA sent out a counter-proposal last month that did not request any additional money. Andrew Abdo declined to comment yesterday, saying negotiations with the RLPA were at a delicate stage. However, it seems, um, and they're not over the line, as I said, they're going to talk over the next 48 or so hours, but it seems that we may be a bit closer to a deal being struck. I think most people probably thought that this would get resolved before the start of the season. That's the way it is looking. Um, And as I've said, I think I spoke to Maddie about it briefly yesterday. Uh, We just want to get it over and done with. We've got the footy on in a couple of weeks' time. Of course, we've got the pre-season challenge continuing as well over the course of the weekend. We've got the charity shield. We've got the World Club Challenge as well. So a lot to focus on on the field in terms of the NRL. And looking like, hopefully, uh, we're going to get a resolution there. But anyway, we'll see what happens. But uh, record uh, offers being made from the NRL to the players. Your thoughts on that? 0457 736 736 or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Also, I want to ask you this morning, just before we get to our cricket and the chances of Mitchell Stark playing, I saw a James Desco on Nine News last night. Um, he's talking about a, a wide range of things. I'll get to some of it a bit later on. But uh, he was asked uh, in the interview um, if anything for the if the Roosters not making the grand final, anything short of the grand final would be a disappointment. And he went on and say they played for premierships and all that stuff. Got me thinking, and we'll do a proper season preview in a couple of weeks' time. Um, Penrith have won the past two competitions. They've been in uh, the past three competition uh, grand finals. Who is If Penrith aren't going to win the competition this year, um, who will? Who can upset the Penrith Panthers this year? Now, we know Penrith have lost a few players. What club, 0457 736 736, or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Two part question: What club is most likely if Penrith are not going to win it? What club is most likely to beat Penrith this year? Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. And James Tedesco saying they play for premierships, um, and he's disappointed they haven't been in the grand final over the past few years since he's taken over as captain. What is the best? rugby league side you have seen? Is it this current Penrith Panthers side right now that's won two competitions in a row, look like they'll be there or thereabouts this year, three grand finals in a row? Is it the Melbourne Storm um, who have been just so good over a long, long period of time, really since 2000? Yes, they've had a couple of issues, but for the most part, they've been there or thereabouts. Is it the Roosters with their back-to-back competition wins in 18 or 19? The Dragons, of course. Uh, when they won 11 competitions in a row, if you were around then. What's the best rugby league team you have seen? 
best era for a rugby league team you have seen? And who is likely to upset the Penrith Panthers this year and go on to win the competition? Interested to hear your thoughts. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. The best rugby league team, the era of rugby league team you've ever seen. Could have even been just one year when a team just uh, ran away with it. 0457 736 736. Open line is 1300 01 1170. And if not Penrith, who in season 2023? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Uh, eight and a half past five in New South Wales, eight and a half past four in Queensland cricket. And Mitchell Stark believes he's still a good chance to feature in the second test against India despite not being as close to full fitness as he would like. And not the only injury concern for Australia, as we know, with Cameron Green still in doubt to return from his own finger injury. And for the second straight match in this series, the pitch itself is under the spotlight, uh, with the curators in Delhi trying to ban Australian media from taking photos like they did in Nagpur. Um, So it was reported that a man was wrongly accused of taking the pictures of the first test pitch, that went viral as ground staff told Aussie journalists to move away and move all the way to the boundary, then told them they could not take the photos there either. Uh, somewhat pointless given the stands were open and there was another photographer there. Uh, Stark said yesterday it looks pretty dry. The groundsman said the nets looked pretty similar and the two days were trained on were really low and took a, a lot of turn. If that's an indication, then that's what it's going to be like. Having a look at the last couple of days, it looks like it's prepared pretty similar as well. India, by the way, has not lost at the second test venue in Delhi since 1987. That's a very, very long time ago. That's before I was born. Um, quite a long time before I was born as well, a few years before I was born. Um, so it is a hard task for Australia here. If Green um, and his seam bowling are unavailable for the second test, it would seem unlikely Matthew Kuhneman flown over to join the Aussie squad this week after Mitch Swepson headed home for the birth of his child would be named for his debut as the third frontline spinner. However, if Green can play, he is expected to replace Matt Renshaw, who struggled as the shock inclusion to replace Travis Head in the first test. Stark remains hopeful of being named, likely as a straight swap for Scott Boland, having bowled well uh, with the injury during the MCG test. Uh, the pair and Pat Cummins bowled on the centre wicket on Wednesday. Uh, still a good chance. It'll come down to how it reacts by Wednesday, how the medical staff see it, how the selectors and Pat Cummins and Andrew McDonald feel about it as well. I'll do everything I can be, I can to be fully available for selection. Then it's a discussion for the rest of the group involved. Going to be interesting to see if Stark can play tomorrow. I'm going to ask Benners um, shortly about the situation involving Pat Cummins that we talked about yesterday. If there's any chance that he'd be dropped, I, I just don't see it happening. But we will get Andrew Mensel's uh, take on that after the next break. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Do you give, and we may talk more about it tomorrow, but do you give Australia much hope, any hope in this test? Look, they're always, they're always a chance. Um, in cricket, but as I said, India have not lost a test there since 1987. I don't think it's going to change. Probably not going to change in this test match, but you never know. You never know. They'll need to get off to a good start, Australia. Hopefully, we can see Mitch Stark out there. 
And just one more bit of NRL news before a break, and then we'll talk to Menas. Uh, the Bulldogs and the Rabbitohs have withdrawn their interest in signing one of the hottest stars on the NRL open market, English flyer Dominic Young. The off-contract Newcastle winger is in the final stages of deciding his future, with the Roosters emerging as the club that could prize the strapping outside back out of the hunter. Canterbury and South Sydney were originally interested in adding Young to their back line in 2024. However, both clubs have decided to cease all talks uh, with the talented centre and invest within and back their own crop of backline potential. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Dom Young. Scored 14 tries in 20 games for a night side that came uh, second last for points scored uh, last year. And we'll see where he ends up. The Roosters now the favourite, although I'm sure the Knights will be doing all they can uh, to hold on to uh, Dom Young. And it was a sensation in the World Cup just gone a few months ago as well. Where do you reckon Dom Young is going to end up? 0457 736 736, our text number. You can call the open line 1300 01 1170. So a few things on the agenda this morning on the open line or the text line. If Penrith aren't going to win the competition this year, let's just say Penrith are favourites, which they are, who is? Who can upset Penrith from going on a three-peat? 1-300-01-1170 or 0457-736-736. Is this current Penrith side the best rugby league side that you have ever seen? Or is there another side from a, from a few years ago, from many, many years ago, that you think is better than Penrith? 0457-736-736 or 1300-01-1170. And just on the cricket as well, do you give Australia much hope in this second test beginning tomorrow? As you, as I say, you'll hear it here on SEN. Um, it will help if Mitch Stark plays, no doubt about it. What other changes would you be making, though, to give Australia the best possible chance in this second test starting tomorrow, 0457-736-736 or 1300-01-1170. We'll get to your text, your calls right after this, and we'll also have a chat with Andrew Minsel from the Cricket Unfiltered Podcast. It is 14 minutes past five in New South Wales, 14 past four in Queensland. This is Tradies News in a Nutshell. Now on Tradies News, let's get the latest in cricket. Yeah, time to talk cricket on this Thursday morning on Tradies News in a nutshell. Keep the calls and texts coming in, though. one 1170 is the open line. You can text 0457-736-736. Andrew Menzel, Menas from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, is on the line as he is regularly on this show. Morning to you, Menas. Yeah, good morning, Dan. Yeah, how are you? Have you recovered from the first test uh, yet? All over in three days. Yeah, look, it's lucky you didn't call me on Monday or Tuesday because <laughs> I was pretty dejected. I was pretty fired up after a pretty resounding defeat. Uh, but, yeah, I'm perking up now and, you know, ready for another loss by the Aussies. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you about Pat Cummins in just a second. But before that, let's just have a quick look back at the first test. Were you surprised, as everyone else seems to have been, that Travis Head was left out of the first uh, test side? and? What do you reckon? There's a lot of talk now about Dave Warner, potentially. A lot of people thinking he shouldn't be playing in the second test. I had a text the other day, Menas, who actually made a pretty good point, and this is probably looking a bit too far ahead at the moment, but Stex made a good point that it's probably too late to, well, might not be too late to replace Warner in this series, but they've already taken him on tour. But if he is picked and he does fail over the next three test matches, maybe some question marks on him going to England. But your whole... Uh, 
guess, thoughts on the first test and some of the team selections from the first test and also the team selections we could possibly see heading into the second test starting tomorrow? Yeah, well, like everyone, I was very surprised they left Travis Head out. Mm. I think it sets a bad precedent when you drop, you know, the number four test-ranked batter and someone that performed so well over summer. I get what they were thinking, but I think McDonald and Cummins kind of outsmarted themselves, and they probably missed sort of a, a cool head and a, like a Justin Langer type in the dressing room to sort of talk them down because you've got to value someone's spot in the team. Now, Travis Head's record in the subcontinent has been pretty average, but he's in the form of his life. If he's ever going to turn it around, it's going to be now. Mm. You know, a, a little-known player called Ricky Ponting went to the subcontinent and really struggled in his first few tours, but was able to really improve by the end. So, yeah, that was a mistake. Uh, I think you're, you're right to look at David Warner. By their logic, if, uh, you know, David Warner's really struggling on these turning tracks, they have to think about dropping him. And, you know, I actually think that could be the end of his test career. We, it may, I mean, if he, if he plays a Delhi tomorrow... Um, and fails. I mean, I, th- I think that could be it for him. And I'm not even ruling out them dropping him for this second test and bringing in uh, Travis Head to open. Because, I mean, in- Warner also has a diabolical record in England. So they won't want to take him there um, if he's in bad form already. So a lot of question marks for the selectors. And I think a lot of the sort of the way the team build up is going to be for the second test depends on Cameron Green's fitness mm. because he brings another bowling option. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And there was a few headlines around yesterday uh, and uh, today as well about the possibility of Pat Cummins uh, being dropped for this second test. Now, I would find it surprising that they would drop the captain of Australia. Um, I know you had a few things to say, and I don't know if you were being entirely serious. Maybe you were on your podcast with uh, Jaleesa Apps and Paul Dennett, and I think it might have been the one that Lockie McCurdy was on a few weeks back, um, saying that... Uh, you wouldn't be surprised if Pat Cummins wasn't the captain um, by the end of this series. How do you see this all unfolding? Yeah, well, um, thanks for bringing this up because, you know, <laughs> Jaleesa and Lachlan laughed at me. And the question I posed was, would Cummins be the captain by the fourth test? And he might not even make it that far. He might not even be captain in the second test. So those so-called experts who thought I was um, just having a bit of fun. There, there is a serious side to this. And, uh, one thing that frustrates me about this generation of cricketers is they think they know everything. And they think that, you know, there's a reason fast bowlers and wicket keepers aren't normally test captains. And, and this is exactly the reason into this second test. Australia's bowling lineup may need Pat Cummins to sit out. Uh, mm. If Cameron Green is fit and Mitchell Stark is fit, they could take the new ball and then you could have three spinners, you know, Lyon, Murphy, and maybe Kuhneman. Um, could be your third spinner, the left-arm figure spinner they've taken over, which means you would have to drop the test captain. Mm. I mean, this rarely happens when you've got a batter as captain. If they're one of the best batters in the side, their spot doesn't come under scrutiny. So uh, I think Pat Cummins is in the firing line. And, uh, you know, I I think he he probably will come back for the Ashes if he were to be removed um, for this tour. But his spot is certainly under fire because these pitches are not helping fast bowlers. And as I said, this is the the risk you take when you have a fast bowling captain. Do you think, uh, if you're a betting man, though, do you think he plays tomorrow? 
It all depends for me on Cam Green's fitness. I think if Cam Green's fit, you mm. could really see Cummins miss out because you need Stark because he can bowl quick and he can get reverse swing. Mm. Cameron Green can bat six and bowl with the new ball and then you've got the three spinners. If Cameron Green doesn't come up, then I think you might see Cummins and Stark um, take the new ball. All right. Uh, watch this space, I reckon. Now, just on uh, the first test as well, one of the probably the only shining light from the first test was Todd Murphy. Uh, fantastic uh, performance by him on debut. Uh, has that a bit of a changing of the guard uh, between him and Nathan Lyon, or are people ruling out and uh, riding off Nathan Lyon a bit too early, considering how much success he has had at the international level for Australia? I think this is most certainly a changing of the guard. I think mm. we're seeing it happen before our eyes. And this is no slight on Nathan Lyon. He's a fantastic bowler. And, and, and I guess one area where Nathan Lyon is really strong is bowling on Australian pitches. So I guess maybe next summer it'll be interesting to see how Murphy and Lyon go on home pitches. And there might be a bit of a bowl-off bowl off to see who, who mm. is the number one spinner next year. But most certainly uh, this is the sort of transition phase. And, Look, things are going to get harder for Todd Murphy. You know, he took seven wickets on debut, but often, you know, opposition batters, you know, don't quite, haven't quite worked you out yet. So now that he's taken those seven wickets, I guarantee, you know, not just batters from India, but batters from all over the world will be watching his action on video and stuff. So, but yeah, look, I think, um, you know, Murphy is the future of the side and um, it's just when, not if. Just before we move uh, to some of the other cricketing issues of the week, do you see Australia turning it around in the second test or do you see it being sort of the same as the first test with India dominating? Look, you'd be crazy to think Australia could turn it around. But one thing I do like about the uh, the situation they find themselves in now is they lose Delhi, the border Gavaskar trophy is gone. So mm. they have to throw everything at India. They have to be bold with their team selection. If they got the last team wrong, they've, they've just got to wear that and pick the best team for the next match, whether that's dropping Warner, dropping Cummins, dropping Lyon, whoever it is, they've got to be bold. And look, this is a resilient side. They've come back before. But uh, yeah, I think India are just way too skillful at home. Couple of the other things going on in cricket over the past uh, seven or so days. Of course, we've got the Women's T20 World Cup going on. Australia had a good win against Bangladesh yesterday morning. Uh, but what about this WPL auction? Uh, a lot of money, quite rightly so. A lot of people were saying, um, given out to uh, some of the big names from the Australian cricket team, Ash Gardner in particular, one of them. Yeah, this is just such a great moment for not just women's sport, but world mm. sport, to see the value of some of these uh, female cricketers. Ash Gardner, you know, she's, she was sold for 560000 Aussie dollars for about three weeks' work. Um, so, you know, that's a pretty, pretty good deal. Um, pretty handy. Elise Perry, went for, yeah, Elise Perry went for almost three hundred k. Beth Mooney, I think almost $350,000. And then the list, you know, you can go right down the list. Um, even Erin Burns from the Sydney Sixers went, for just a lazy 50k for um, you know three weeks work, so it's just it's just great stories for a lot of these cricketers that started when it was semi-professional or not even professional, and they weren't getting paid or they were paying themselves to tour and train. Now there's these great opportunities for for young girls to get into the game and see a real future. So just fantastic. Yeah, it really is fantastic to see. And the Sheffield Shield, I know when you were in the studio a few weeks ago, we were talking about the Sheffield Shield menace. Uh, New South Wales season was ended by rain. 
Yeah, I mean, rain has not um, been New South Wales' no. biggest um, <laughs> friend this summer. So, you know, sort of ruined the Sydney test. It, it, you know, ended the Sydney Thunder's big bash campaign where they were rained off against the Brisbane Heat when David Warner was not out. And, and then uh, on Tuesday at the SCG, New South Wales were pushing for their first victory of the summer in the Shield. And the rain came, as, as expected, and washed out pretty much the whole day. And New South Wales get a draw, which means they've played seven matches and are yet to win. Mathematically, because of like the bonus points mm. and the, uh, the way they do the points in the Shield, mathematically, they could still qualify for the final, but... I mean, they would need to win their three games pretty handsomely and results to go their way. So, effectively, they're out. And, you know, a disappointing season for them. And in the end, rain got them. Yeah, very disappointing indeed. Thank you, Menas. Uh, when's the next podcast out? I know there'll be a lot uh, involved in the test uh, with yourself, Jaleesa, and also Paul Dennett. Yes, yep. Um, Download Cricket Unfiltered will be doing daily reports. So, you know, along with the SEN coverage, that's really all you need. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. You don't even need to watch the TV. <laughs> no, we'll have uh, exactly. live coverage here on SCN. Men, it's great stuff as always. We'll chat again next week. Have a great day, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Andrew Mentzel there on the line. Great to chat with him as per usual. Hope to catch up with him again next week. And, yeah, don't forget that Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Him, Jaleesa, who I saw, by the way, on 10 News last night, talking to Josh Adokar, who seemed uh, a bit more serious than you'd usually uh, see him heading into uh, this year's uh, season. But anyway, uh, he's uh, hoping for a big year for the Bulldogs. But the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, uh, yeah, uh, Andrew Mitchell, Jaleesa Apps, Paul Dennett, uh, always a good listen. Thank you to Menas. Your thoughts on what he had to say about any of the cricketing issues there? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. I'll get to some of your texts in just a second. Just before the break, though, champion Broncos halfback Adam Reynolds has declared himself a certain starter for Brisbane's Premiership opener, despite injury wiping out his preseason for the second consecutive year. Just 24 hours after star fullback Reese Walsh was ruled out of the Broncos' final preseason trial against the Cowboys with a fractured eye socket, Reynolds joined him in the casualty ward for the clash at Sunshine Coast Stadium. After sitting out Brisbane's opening two trials, Reynolds was keen to clear some rust against the Cowboys, and he ran strongly at training on Tuesday only for his lower back to seize up on Wednesday morning. It is the second consecutive season Reynolds has failed to appear in the trials after the 32-year-old veteran missed the entire 2022 preseason with general soreness in his maiden summer at the Broncos. However, he did say he'll be right for their round one clash against his former club Souths. Uh, this year, in fact, sorry, that's against Brisbane. He missed uh, the Souths game last year due to COVID. Uh, this time, they'll play the Penrith Panthers on Friday, March 3. He said, I'm good to go. I've got some nerve pain in my back, but there's no damage. The preseason has gone well, and my body is feeling fine overall. I won't require any treatment to play in round one. He could have played against the Cowboys, but Walters, Kevin Walters, the Broncos coach, is taking a no-risk approach. I would be interested to know... Not just Souths fans, but uh, generally rugby league fans. If you cast your mind back 18 months or so ago, Adam Reynolds was a huge talking point about, is he going to stay at South Sydney? Is he going to go at South Sydney? And most of us um, thought it was a bit odd that South Sydney weren't offering Adam Reynolds the contract that he wanted. Um, I think from memory, they offered him a two-year contract and he wanted three. Um, And everyone was saying, well, that's, very bizarre. Why would they do that? And he ended up, as we know, signing to, with the Broncos. But now if you're a Souths fan 
and generally NRL fans as well, interested to get your take on this. Did South Sydney make the right call? Now, no doubt Adam Reynolds is a great player. He was very, very important to the Broncos when they were playing good footy last year. And one feels he's going to be a very important part to the Broncos side again this year. But Lachlan Elias, he took a little while to warm up for the Rabbitohs last year, didn't he? But when he did, he was playing some good footy. And he could be around for many years to come. So looking back on it now, did South Sydney make the right call to let Adam Reynolds go? Or do you still think South would be in a better position now with Adam Reynolds there? Even considering some of the injuries he's had over the past year or so. In hindsight, did South make the right call? What do you reckon? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 It's a hard one to really say. I mean, no one will know 100% what it would be like if Adam Reynolds was still at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. But 18 months ago, everyone was saying, oh, this is bizarre. And then sort of as we got through bits of last season, we thought, oh, maybe it's not a bad call. But where does everyone sit now? In particular, South and Broncos fans. 0457 736 736 or open line number is 1300 01 1170. In hindsight, did South Sydney make the right call to let go of Adam Reynolds and to invest in the future in Lachlan Ilias. Your thoughts, 1300 01 1170 or 0457 736 736. There is no doubt in my mind, though, Adam Reynolds is going to be a huge part of the Broncos this year and whether they're going to be successful or not. But your thoughts, in hindsight, did South Sydney make the right call? Also this morning, uh, the best NRL clubs or the best rugby league clubs, is the Panthers the best side you've ever seen or is there another side in a previous era? 0457 736 736 or 1-300-01-1170. And do you give us any chance in this second test beginning tomorrow in Delhi against India? 1-300-01-1170 or 0457 736 736. There's some texts there. I'll get to them after the break. As well as that, we'll talk football with Jonathan Gallo. A quick uh, wrap of football. We'll have him on again tomorrow, but an important EPL game kicking off in about an hour's time. And the Matildas are in action as well a little later on this evening. So we'll chat to John Gallo about that. On the other side of this, it's 26 minutes to 6 in New South Wales, 26 to 5 in Queensland. Yeah, good to have your company, Vossi and Brandy, not too far away for breakfast from uh, uh, 6am. And Patton Heels will be on at 6am local time uh, from 7am, that's Sydney time, 6am. So you get the first hour of Vossi and Brandy and then uh, Patton Heels. But of course, you can listen to Vossi and Brandy on the app if you would feel like doing so. Uh, now, just before we talk... Football with Jonathan Gallo. Sydney Kings were in action last night in their first of their finals matches against the Cairns Taipans. They got off to a good start. It was close for a little while, uh, but they ended up winning at 95 to 87. Uh, game two of the series is going to be on Friday night in Cairns. Uh, so, of course, we know uh, the Sydney Kings won it last year. We'll see what happens uh, this year. But they got off to a good start in their final series against the Taipans at 95 to 87 in front of a pretty big crowd there at Kudos Bank Arena last night. 0457 736 736 or 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. It is time to do this. Now on Tradies News, it's time for the latest in football. Yeah, and Mr. John Gallo is on the line. Morning to you, John. 
Morning, Dan. Fantastic intro there, mate. Thank You've you. You've got my uh, thumbs of approval. Brilliant. Thank, thank you. Fantastic stuff. I thought you'd like that uh, song. How are we? Uh, we're going to speak to you again tomorrow and go more in depth, but there's a couple of things we just want to talk to you about today. A huge EPL match uh, getting underway in about 50 minutes' time from now. It's Arsenal and Man City, so we'll wrap this up with you tomorrow, but this could be a crucial match in the context of the season. Yeah, absolutely. It could be season-defining for, for both teams, really. Um, you probably slightly think more for the fact that they're Arsenal because they need to find form. They've had a loss against Everton uh, two weeks ago and then the draw last weekend against Bradford. Um, so they've stumbled into this game against Man City. I think from an Arsenal perspective, I think it's, a, it's an absolutely vital game for them because the last thing they want is Manchester City drawing level on points if they were to win. Uh, this morning's game, and then having to try and keep you know, Man City away will be a very difficult task. If Man City get in front on the point side of things uh, on the leaderboard, you find it would be very difficult to chase them down after that. So I think from an Arsenal perspective, this game is, is vital. Man City know it's vital as well, uh, but I just think for Arsenal, they really need to keep ahead of the pack if they've got any chance of, uh, of getting that title come end of season. So big game for both teams. Uh, a lot at stake for Arteta. You know, it was a tough uh, draw last weekend against Bedford. Obviously, the VAR decision that came back and some of the replays that got played back to the uh, Referees Association meant that the referees admitted that they probably uh, should have not allowed that goal to happen with Bedford to make it a one-all draw. So Arteta's now had to live with that. Um, it's been two points dropped and they have to move on. Pep Guardiola, on the other thing, the whole Man City saga keeps brewing on in the background. He came out with some fiery comments uh, towards even Steven Gerrard and Liverpool and trying to claim that you know, it wasn't their fault that basically uh, Stephen Gerrard slipped over and Man City won the title that they've won. Um, so it was some, some really argy-bargy stuff from Pep Guardiola that no one really came to expect. He's since come out and apologised for those comments. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting game, a big game, so many good matchups across the field. You know, obviously with Martinelli and Bakuya Saka for Arsenal, those two players will have to lift. Mm. You've got Kevin De Bruyne and obviously Haaland up front for Man City. And the list goes on and on with both sides. So really looking forward to a fantastic game. And I think potentially it could be match of the season with uh, with what's at stake here. So, uh, yeah, a brilliant morning of football to come. Yeah, can I just ask you a question? We spoke last week in terms of Man City and what was happening off-field. That's gone a little quiet. Uh, do you expect this to, that? And, I mean, it's hard for you to answer. It's probably hard for anyone to answer. But do you expect it to affect this season? Because I can imagine a scenario in a couple of hours' time, a few hours' time, Man City beat Arsenal. They're back in the premiership race. But they've still got all this uh, sort of hanging over cloud hanging over their heads. Yeah, I thought that going against Villa on the weekend, I thought that maybe with the, with the whole news breaking and everyone being fully aware of it, I thought that might have uh, you know dismantled City a little bit uh, on the weekend. But then I saw their performance against Aston Villa and it was completely the opposite. They they were motivated. Um, it was almost as if you know that, that they'd been poked a little bit from the media and from what people have been saying about Man City. The fact that seven clubs, big clubs in the Premier League, uh, have come out and and really pushed for these investigations at the beginning, it kind of gives Man City the, the incentive now to really get on with the rest of the season and really prove a point to a lot of people that maybe uh, you know you guys should start looking after your own backyard instead of worrying about our front yard, so to speak. Mm. And I think that's going to be a point that Pep Guardiola has driven to a lot of these players. I don't think it will affect the current players because they don't believe they've done anything wrong. I think most people assume that the players wouldn't have known about it, obviously. Um, Pep probably didn't even know about it and, and the coaching staff. So I don't think it's going to affect the current group of players. 
Um, and there's not a whole lot that they would have known about either, you would imagine. So I think they'll try and get on with the job. They're now in the title race now, and I think they'll focus on that from here on to the end of the season rather than worrying about the, the financial management of the football club. All right. Well, we'll wrap all that up tomorrow morning with you, and we'll also uh, talk about the rest of the Premier League happening this weekend. There is some Champions League action this morning as well. Chelsea in action against Dortmund. Uh, club Brugge, is it? Up against Benfica uh, today. Uh, and we had uh, Tottenham lose yesterday to Milan as well, which was a bit disappointing uh, there. But anyway, a good win for Milan. Uh, the other thing I want to talk to you about, John, is the uh, Matildas are in action later on tonight. Now, we know the World Cup is coming up uh, a little later on this year. Probably, well, no, definitely is the biggest sporting event in this country uh, this year. Um, Sam Kerr arrived back in uh, the country, although uh, no confirmation on whether she is going to be playing uh, tonight or not in the opening match of the Cup of Nations uh, against the Czech Republic uh, in Gosford. Um, I saw a couple of the Matildas interviewed on the news last night. Uh, they were with, I think they were with the Prince and uh, Princess of Sweden, I think. I think it was. Um, and I saw a couple of them, Charlotte Grant, a couple of others were interviewed uh, about this. Now, obviously, the World Cup is the big thing for the Matildas this year. Uh, uh, it w- They basically said they are treating uh, this Cup of Nations as a rehearsal for the World Cup. What do you think they can take out of this Cup of Nations? Because they need to build. They obviously are not too far away from the uh, World Cup beginning. What do you think are we going to see tonight? And do we think we'll see Sam Kerr playing tonight? Or do you think they're going to be pretty careful with her throughout this fairly short tournament? Yeah, I think I think we'll see a lot from, from the Matildas in terms of, you know, trial and error of a few things, you know, particularly from a formation perspective. They might try a few different matchups up front in terms of striker partnerships or uh, centre-back partnerships as well as in the midfield. So, it might give the opportunity for the manager to just try and tinker around with the squad a little bit and trial a few things out they've been working on at training um, and look at some squad depth as well, give some of those players that may be on the fringes of making the starting 11 squad more of an opportunity to play, more match time in their legs and an opportunity to prove a point to the manager and the coaching staff that they deserve to be in the starting 11. So it gives you know, a tournament like this an opportunity for the manager to really trial out his squad and, and stretch it and think what he can and can't do during the World Cup coming up in uh, July this year, June, July this year. Um, Sam Kerr, I don't know whether she will play. I don't think she will because yeah, it's not a whole lot of time to prepare. She's been playing a whole host of games, obviously, uh, for the Women's Premier League in Chelsea, and she's been a star player for Chelsea for, for a long time, this couple of seasons since she's been there. I don't think you know she would want to play in, in a game so early. I think she might rest and play maybe in the next game, I think, is against Spain. Mm. So they might rest and play her in that game at least 45 minutes, you'd imagine, because they wouldn't be able to afford to get her injured. She's a star player for the Matildas, and if she were to be injured, it would be a real dampener on her uh, World Cup chances for, for Australia. So, yeah, I think they would probably give uh, Sam Kerr a rest. So the Cup of Nations, only four teams in it. Two games today, it will be Spain and Jamaica at 10 past four. This is at Gosford. And then the Matildas in action tonight at 10 past seven against the Czech Republic. I think that's on Channel 10 or one of the spin-off channels, potentially 10 bold. Then on Sunday at uh, in Parramatta at Combank Stadium, Jamaica up against the Czech Republic. Matildas up against Spain at 6 p.m. on Sunday. And then on Wednesday up at Newcastle, McDonald Jones Stadium, Czech Republic uh, up against Spain at 2.30. And then next Wednesday night in Newcastle, Matildas. Matilda's taking on Jamaica. All Matilda games live on at 10 bold. Uh, going to be interesting. We'll wrap it all up. The English Premier League, the Matildas, and we'll have a lengthy chat tomorrow about that and the rest of the English Premier League. Thank you, John. You'll get to hear another great intro tomorrow. 
Absolutely, mate. Can't can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. We'll talk then. Thank you, mate. Chat tomorrow. John Gallo on the line. Just a quick hit of football on your Thursday morning. Yeah, that is a huge game. Vossi and Brandy will keep you across it as well uh, throughout their breakfast show. Patton Hills as well in Queensland. But it's a massive game uh, this morning between Arsenal and Man City. We'll see what happens there. Uh, some texts on 0457 736 736. This from the Kingswood Welder. Good morning, Mr. Nutshell. Thank you. Good morning to you, Kingswood. Uh, talking about the cricket, put Stark in as opening batsman. Can't be any worse than Warner. That from the Kingswood Welder. Well, I don't think that's going to happen, uh, but I do understand where you're coming from. There was a period of time. Look, Mitchell Stark is handy with the bat. Uh, he still, I don't think, will be opening. But I, I understand the tide does seem to be turning, doesn't it, on David Warner quite quickly. And if he does get selected to play in this second test and fails again, you just have to wonder how much longer he is going to have. If he is going to play, and there's no guarantee he will, most people think it is likely that he will, but no guarantee that he will. If he does play, he'll want to have a very good performance because that pressure, as I say, if he doesn't perform in either of the innings in this second test, could be detrimental to his career. And Camelo, we're talking about Dom Young and potentially going to the Roosters. Camelo says, how are the Roosters linked to every star on the market? Well, good question, good question. They are linked a lot, aren't they, the Roosters to a lot of the stars? Um, they don't always, quite often they don't get at them, but it always seems to be the Roosters linked. I don't know why they are linked to Carmelo. They just seem to... It just seems that whenever a player, a good player, is on the open market, the Roosters are linked, whether there's any truth to it or not. I think there is, though, some truth to this Dom Young rumour. It'll be interesting, though, if Dom Young does sign with them. A lot of talk about Suali. He's going to be playing in the centres this weekend. Maybe uh, that's the plan for Trent Robinson and the Roosters this year. But, of course, his future a little up in the air after that. But thank you, Camelo. Uh, more texts after the break. 0457 736 736. It's 10 to 6 in New South Wales, 10 to 5 in Queensland. Yeah, breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. Not too far away, Brandy. Fresh from his day off after two hard days of work earlier on in the week. is back. Morning to you, uh, Brandy. How are you going? And what is coming up at the breakfast show? Did you enjoy your couple of days off? Oh, a day uh, off? A day off, Day man. off, sorry. One day, One day on. yeah. Hump day, RDO, RDO. It yeah. only happens every Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, big show coming up. Of course, listener interaction is absolutely imperative. And it was great to be back on Monday talking mm. to all the regulars and some not so regular. Uh, on the show this morning, we're going to talk to Alan Border. The yeah. test gets underway tomorrow. Tommy Makinson will join us. He's uh, part of the St. Helens lineup. Of course, the highlight of the preseason challenge. Mm. This weekend will be the World Club Challenge. St. Helens taking on... The Panthers, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit of rugby too because the Super Rugby gets underway next weekend, Dan. Looking forward to it, all that, after 6am with Andrew Voss, who's very keen. It's a bit sad I haven't spoken to him, but I'll speak to you tomorrow, Vossie, and Greg Alexander. Vossie and Brandy for breakfast after the 6am news. Thanks for all your texts today. Chris Perkins and John Geller will join me tomorrow morning on the show for the Friday show. Vossie and Brandy after the news. I'll see you tomorrow morning from 5am. Have a great Thursday.